Well, it is good to be back. Could somebody say, Pastor is not going to be political this morning? Because I don't want you assuming by what you read on the screen that I'm getting into politics today. This is not about politics. But there is a phrase there that I feel like that we needed to give attention to. As you can see, our children are being dismissed to uh, Children's Church at their appointed time this morning. And uh, got some pretty dresses and <laughs> handsome young men. and I love to see them when they run that way, like they want to go. Thank the Lord for that. Over the past couple of years, I think we've all heard the term fake news. I doubt that there's anybody here who hasn't heard that term because it has been thrown all over the airwaves. We've heard it over and over and over again, the term fake news. And I would like to share with you, as if you didn't already know, you cannot always trust what you hear. And you can't always trust what you see on television. And you can't always trust what you read on Facebook. If that's true, would you tell me amen? Amen. Isaiah famously asked this question. It's in Isaiah 53 verse 1, but you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to refer to it. The prophet Isaiah asked this question. He said, who has believed our report? Think about that question. Who has believed our report? He had preached. He had warned. He had put his life on the line. And it seemed that the people in large part remained unbelieving. So much so where toward the end of his book and perhaps the end of his life, he utters this phrase, who has believed our report? And then he added to that, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who has seen God's power? Who has recognized him for who he is? It's a question that he asked, and a good one. Who has believed our report, and to whom Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other words, if we were to ask that question today, we would say, who has heard? Who has seen? Who has believed this book, the gospel, and the things that the Bible tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ and his birth specifically for us this morning? Some people consider that to be fake news. I'll share that with you in just a few moments. But why wouldn't people believe? Ask yourself that question. Many of us, probably most of us, it's possible that all of us who were here today are believers. That is, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe that what the Scripture says is true. We believe that Jesus is our Savior. And we may be even believers to the point that we have asked Jesus to forgive us for all of our sins and trusted in Christ and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we may be believers to that extent. And if that would be the case, wouldn't that be awesome that everybody in this building would be a believer? So then we would we would perhaps ask ourselves this question, why wouldn't people believe? Why can't they see? Why don't they hear this message, the good news? Whenever you read the word in the Bible, gospel, The word gospel simply means good news. I think you know that. 
So this morning, when I say good news, it means gospel. When I say gospel, it means good news. I'm not going to be selective on which words I use. They mean the same thing. The good news is not fake news. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, I think we get um, some enlightenment as to the answer to that question or those questions I just posed. Why wouldn't some people believe? Why can't some people see? Why won't they hear? Well, 2 Corinthians 4 chapter 4 says, or chapter 4 verse 4 says, the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age, and that's God with a little g, not a big g. And whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine upon them. I want to read that one more time. That's the answer to why some people don't believe. It's the answer to why some people can't see. Why some people can't accept what they've heard. The gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God should shine upon them. Or should shine on them. There's an old song that we used to sing years ago. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus can save. Those are great words, aren't they? Been a long time since I've sung that song. Maybe it has been for you as well. But it's a great song. The sentiments are great. It talks about the gospel and what our responsibilities are. We are to rescue the perishing. We are to care for the dying. We are to understand that Jesus is merciful and Jesus will save. And there's not anybody that's outside the the realm of being able to be saved. Everybody can be saved. Whosoever will let him come, the Bible says. Is that true? So anybody can come to Christ. You've never done too much, gone too far, been there too long. You can always come to Christ and ask him to cleanse you from your sin. And the Bible says he will. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is a faithful God. He's faithful to his word. And if we ask him and believe, he'll do that for us. But some people don't believe that. They've heard it. They've seen it in print, perhaps, and they just do not believe it. They think it is not true. I want to share with you this morning that the good news, the gospel is a precious commodity. The treasure that we have in the gospel is beyond measure. The Bible says it's so important. It's worded this way. What would it profit if a man gained the whole world and lost his own soul? That's how precious the gospel is. Something that's able to transform our lives and take us out of sin, out of fellowship with God, and then the blood of Jesus cleanse our lives and answer to a prayer that we pray, and then he forgives us of our sin, writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. What could be more important than that? Nothing can be more important than that. That's why Jesus said, what would it profit if a man gained the whole world? And then lose his soul. He might have missed out here on this earth. But that's that's not bad at all. As compared to missing out for eternity. Amen. Now. 
The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the good news. Jesus said that. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the good news. Paul said that. If anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. If anybody comes along with another message, anybody comes along with another solution to the sin problem we have in this world, then don't listen to it. There's only one answer. There's only one way. Who is the way? Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And so Jesus is the only way. The gospel is awesome. The gospel is so huge, so big, so... It's all-encompassing. It's We don't give it the credit it deserves. We don't appreciate it like we should. Perhaps we don't meditate on it. We don't rejoice over it. We don't thank God for it perhaps like we should. The fact that He took us out of darkness and brought us into light. He took us out of sin and brought us into holiness. He takes us out of the clutches of sin and brings us into His arms of love. He changes our future completely from being one of a burning hell to one of an eternal heaven. He does that for us when we receive Him. It's an awesome thing. Good news is wonderful. But I want to remind you that the good news is not fake news. We know that not everyone believes the gospel. But maybe we don't think much about this. The fact that there are some people who actually hate the gospel. There are people who hate the good news. There are people who hate this book. There are people who hate pastors. There are people who hate Christians. There are people who hate God. Now, I'm going to share with you in a few moments... Not yet, but in a few moments, I'm going to share with you by the miracle of PowerPoint four signs, four billboard signs that can be found on the highways of our nations, of our nation. When I saw these, it was a wake up call to me, but it also broke my heart. I can think of several, well two, in fact, I can think of two billboard signs over the years that have really made an impression on my life. After 9-11, riding through Highway 70, somewhere around Havelock or maybe Goldsboro, I don't remember where it was, near one of those bases, there was a great big billboard sign on the side of the road after 9-11, and it had a picture of Osama bin Laden on it. And this this sign said, wanted, dead or alive, with his picture on it. And I believe it said there was a reward. It was several million dollars. There was a reward posted on that sign. That sign made an impression on me. Uh, First of all, I wish I had known where Osama bin Laden was at the time. (laughs) But just what we had gone through and what he had done. And then to see that sign and see us recognizing that and putting the blame where it belonged, it just it just spoke to me. I've never forgotten that. It did something for me. I shared recently another sign that I saw on Highway 70. 
Remember I, I showed you there was an error coming down and then something like this and an error going up and then the error is coming back down again. I showed it had no writing on it whatsoever, just some symbols. And it, it, it basically was telling that Jesus came down. Jesus was put on a cross. Jesus was buried in a tomb. There was an error pointing up. Jesus went back to heaven and an error, another error pointing down. He's coming back again. When I saw that, it made an impression on me. I'm going to share with you four more that made an impression on me, but it wasn't a good one. As a matter of fact, this, these, these signs that I'm going to share with you this morning were the, the impetus, if you will, the, the thing that spurred my thinking about this particular sermon today, and it's going to be obvious. But I want to tell you, you have to be careful what you listen to. And you, be ha- you have to be careful what you see with your eyes and how long you dwell on things and how long you think about things. When we were children, there was a song that used to go, had several verses. I'm only going to sing one of them for you. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. And it talked about eyes, what you see, mouth, what you say. But we have to be careful. It's been said before, garbage in, garbage out. We're affected by what we read. We're affected by what we see. Sometimes we can be at a a most impressionable time in our life. And then a sign, a billboard a newspaper ad, a song on the radio, something we see on television be so impactful to us that it changes the way we think. Why do you think they spend millions and millions and millions on commercials? They want to impact what you think and how you feel. They want you to change your mind about a particular product so that you'll go buy it. And so with that in mind, I want to tell you that Satan is at work. In America, right now, Satan is at work. Let's have the first slide, please. Do you see a picture there of the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the stable and the star? We're familiar with that this time of year, aren't we? And look what has been printed over the top. Fake news. That's on a billboard. Now, all four of these billboards that I'm going to show you have been produced paid for, and put up by atheist organizations. I, I, would, I saw this only on, on the screen of my laptop. I haven't seen it beside the road, but boy, I'm going to tell you, would I ever be infuriated if I did? I might be, I might be tempted to go get me a couple gallons of paint and go visit it one night. Fake news. Jesus being born of a virgin. Everything we celebrate at Christmas, they're saying is fake news. Let's look at the next one. This is like a conversation going on between two friends texting each other. You going to church this Christmas? (laughs) No way. I don't believe that stuff anymore. What do your parents say? They'll get over it. And look at the young girl 
the one who's saying, I'm not going to church anymore, I don't believe this stuff, and look at her mother in the background about to explode when she finds out about it. Do you know that is a, that is a very impactful billboard right there? And not in a good way. Targeted at our kids. Waiting for our teenagers to read that and be impacted and influenced by it. And who cares what your mother thinks who's standing behind you about to blow her top when she sees what's taking place. And that's the kind of thing that's happening in our society right now. Next slide, please. Go ahead and skip church. Just be good for goodness sake. Happy holidays. And Santa Claus in the corner going, shh. Go ahead and skip church. You tell me that's not a sad message to be putting out in America? Christian America, as we've always thought of it, put out, as you can tell at the bottom, by the American atheist. Go ahead and skip church. My goodness, we've got enough skipping church going on now without billboards trying to encourage people to do it. Amen. Go ahead and skip church. And, and forget about Christ and being saved. Uh, that's irrelevant according to this. Just be good, for goodness sake. This gospel thing, fake news. That's the message out there. And then the next one, please. Just skip church. It's all fake news. Why would you waste your time going to church talking about Christmas or the gospel and listening to a preacher and a Bible teacher and a Sunday school teacher and a one? And why would you do all that stuff? It's just all fake news. That's the message that they're putting out there. And I want to tell you today that the gospel is not fake news. You, you are not wasting your time by being in church this morning. Or you're not wasting your time by being in church any morning or any evening. You're not wasting your time when you open your Bible and you read it at home. You're not wasting your time when you get on your knees beside your bed and you talk to the Lord. You're not wasting your time when you come together with other Christians and experience Christian fellowship and get to know other people who will pray for you when you have a need and when you've got a problem. You're not wasting your time when you do that. But they would tell us that this is all fake news and we're wasting our time. The gospel is more than just true news. It's not fake news, and it is true news, but it's more than true news. It is good news. This book has life-changing principles in it that will absolutely transform your life if you'll do what the Bible says do. That's good news. I mean, let's face it. Most of us are messed up. Well, let me take that back. All of us are messed up. In the sense that all of us are bound in sin, there is... None, that's righteous, no, not one. All of sin didn't come short of the glory of God. We all started at the same place, didn't we? In the sin camp. And all of us need a Savior. 
And this book is transformative for the person that was a good moral person that was raised in a church family. And it's also transformative for the, for the, the vilest people in, in the most wicked circumstances that you can imagine. You can take the person who's hit rock bottom and you couldn't think they could go any lower. God can take that person and raise that female or that male up and change their lives. The gospel is good news. It's life changing. Jesus said this gospel will be preached in all the world. This good news is going to be preached in all the world. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why should he be? Why should you be? We have no reason to be ashamed of the gospel. That's where our hope is, our strength is, our salvation is. That's where we, that's, we need to appreciate the gospel more than anything else in our lives. And the thought that we should be ashamed, that we should minimize, that we can treat it as a light thing, that we can just ignore the gospel or that we place no value on it. I want to tell you right now, that is nothing but a lie from the pit. Because the contents of this book are life and life-giving and transformative. And what the Lord can do in our lives, it's awesome. It is nothing more than the strategy of the devil. Now, in case you're here today and you don't know this yet, um, I'll go ahead and just say it. You are in a Bible-believing church. We believe there's a God. And we believe there's a devil or Satan and a bunch of devils. We believe both are real. And God wants to transform our lives. He wants to give us life and love and joy and peace. And the devil doesn't do anything but come to steal, kill, and destroy. He has nothing good for you. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That is the strategy of the devil, the game plan of the devil, the tactics of the devil. Put either one of those slides back up for me, Kevin. I don't care which one. That's a strategy of the devil right there. To plant in people's minds, impressionable minds, To try to plant the seed that all of this is fake. That all of this is a myth, a story, a made up something. That only, and you know as well as I do, you've seen this in in the culture that we live in today. that, that, That Christians are the dumbest people on the face of this earth for believing the gospel. Believing in God. Believing in His word. Believing that we're going to be held accountable one day. Believing that there is a hell that's hot. Believing that there's a heaven that is eternal. While we're just plain stupid people. According to them. Am I right? It's, it's all fake. To them. But one day. I've got news for you. The Bible says every knee is going to bow. Now that's just not you. That's, that's all them. All them. Who are putting these signs up. Who says there is no God. 
The Bible says one day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day he's going to show it's all true. The devil does this kind of thing. Now, I know he does it through people, and you know that too. But Satan's behind this. It's part of his strategy. It's part of his game plan. It's part of his tactics to cast doubt on the Word of God. That's Satan's approach. That's his strategy. He did that in Genesis in 2 Corinthians 11, 3. The Bible says the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. He was slick. He was, he used trickery. He, he deceived her. He, he made her think something that God didn't plan in her mind, but he planned it in her mind. The serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, the Bible says. He painted a pretty picture. He made that tree and a fruit that was on it look so good. But that tree that looked so good was actually poison. It was bad. They should not have partaken of that. It caused and brought death upon them and upon us all. In Revelation 12, verse 9, the Bible says that Satan deceives the whole world. Uh, He's at work in the U.S., And he's at work in Zimbabwe and Iraq and Afghanistan and you name it. He's he's at work there. True? Yeah, the devil's at work all over. That's why the Bible says, Revelation 12, 9, he deceives the whole world. And it goes on to say a few verses later that his time is short. His time is short. He's running out of time and he knows it. Jesus is coming back to this earth one day. And at some point in the future, and we don't exactly know how to piece it all together where we all agree on it. But we all know that what the word says is true. One of these days, time shall be no more. And so the Bible says that his time, Satan's time is short. He knows that he doesn't have much more time. So he's becoming more vocal. He's coming out of the closet. He's showing himself. He's becoming more obvious in what he's doing and in his strategy than he ever has before. His time is short. Yes, there is a God. God did love the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus was born of a virgin. Let me show you a little something interesting here that I I thought about this week. The birth of Jesus, in my mind, because I'm a Bible believer, and in your mind as well if you're a Bible believer, there was a time... When there was a Mary and a Joseph, a young couple, and they had a baby named Jesus, the only thing was Mary was a virgin, right? She had never known her husband in a sexual way, Joseph, but here she found herself expecting a baby. 
And Joseph was minded to put her away privily, but an angel occurred to him and said, It's all right, everything's okay. I've got this, God said. It's going to be okay. They traveled to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. The angels came and they sang hallelujahs. <laughs> a little while later, there was a star that appeared and led the wise men to the site. And they bought gifts from afar. We all know the story. And I want you to know that every bit of it is true. Everything we read in the scripture, you can take it to the bank. So it's a historical fact. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't question it. I don't doubt it. If the Bible says it happened, I believe it happened. See, the thing about questioning certain things as the Bible is when you take it upon yourself to think you've got the authority to, to discard one thing in the Bible, then why don't you just discard all the rest of it? Who gave you the authority to discard anything? It's all truth, folks. And what we read in the Bible is true. We have no trouble with that, but some people look at us like we're crazy. Well, when Jesus was born, I said all that to get to this point. When Jesus was born, God in his sovereignty, the Bible says when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. So God was orchestrating this whole thing. And when Jesus was born, here's what happened. God looked down and he cut time in half. Just like that when Jesus was born. And every time you write a check, you acknowledge that. If you wrote a check today, what date would you put on it? 2017 for the year. Why would you put 2017 on there? Because it has been 2,017 years since that calendar was set up, which was based on the time that Jesus was here on this earth. And when I was a little boy... Here's the way we talked about that. If we talked about something that happened uh, 3,000 years ago in Egypt or 4,000 years ago in Egypt, we'd write it down this way. 4,000 B.C. Now, what did B.C. mean? Before Christ. And then we'd turn around and we'd write something that happened 50 years ago. In 1964, we'd put A.D., which means in the year of our Lord, not after death. I'm sorry, it doesn't. It means, it means in the year of our Lord. It's a Latin term. Before Christ and A.D., the Latin words, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? And, and you know what? That worked for us for a good long while, didn't it? Until some skeptics began to tinker with the way we measure time. And they came along, they didn't like before Christ. And they didn't like in the year of our Lord either. So they redefined those terms. And then they started writing B-C-E. What's B-C-E mean? Before Christ every time? No. No. Before common era. Before the common era. And then after that was called the common era. Excuse me. Yeah, the common era. Now, 
do you know that that was, that was nothing? It started out initially BCE was before the Christian era. And then after was called the Christian era. Before the Christian era and then the Christian era. But that wasn't good enough for some of them. They didn't like before Christ and they didn't like before Christian either. So then they redefined it to before common era and then afterwards was the common era. So now when you read history books that have been written recently, they use BCE, before the common era, and CE, the common era. So that Christ and Christian is removed from it altogether. But you can't change the fact it still points to the same time. And when Ron Bomar writes that check and wrote 2017 on it, or when the atheist writes 2017 on his check, every time he does it, he's acknowledging that same thing. That Jesus, there was a time when the Savior came. But you see the way that, that the devil strategizes and tries to get our minds away from the things that are most important and precious to us as Christians. And we don't even know it. You see, back the older I get, the more I sound like an old preacher. Back when I was a little boy, back when I was a little boy, they had, they had something in school we called prayer. How many of you can remember having prayer in school? I want you all to look at the hands. It was, it was not a no-no to have prayer in school 60 years ago, 50 years ago. And... During that same time, we also had Bibles read from time to time. How many of you can remember Bibles being read? In Look at all the hands. It used to be that the Ten Commandments were allowed in public places in America. Now, for the most part, they've been banned. Ten Commandments. The institution of marriage... Only recently has been redefined. God's definition of marriage has been redefined by the Supreme Court now to allow for same-sex marriages. Something that God never allowed for. Do you see what I'm saying? The devil is constantly changing the way we think. Our perception of things. Things that used to be nauseating and shocking to us now have become acceptable to us. And we just kind of say, well, that's just the way it is. You know what? It may be the way it is. But if as parents, if we don't wake up and understand what's going on and teach our children what the truth is, they're going to be absorbed by this junk. And their thinking and their psyche and the way they believe is being affected. They're being told by everybody around them that this is fake news, that we all are crazy as Christians. And and as parents, we have a responsibility to our children and to our families to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and tell them what God's Word says. Listen, if, if there was a stalker after your children... Would you be upset about it? Would you get riled up if there was a stalker after your teenage daughter? And and yet we know that our culture and our society 
and, and there is an enemy called the devil who is after our children. The Bible says he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. The weak ones, the ones who are impressionable, the ones that he can grab a hold of and steal. He's after them and we have got to wake up and understand what the devil is doing. By signs like we, we see on the board there. Fake news. It's to, it's to convince people that this is like Grimes fairy tale. It's not a book of fairy tales. It's a book of the will of God and the word of God. Well, when the enemy steps up the pace like he's doing, when the enemy steps up the pace and turns the heat up, I'm going to tell you something. We must respond. No, no, we can't sit around and twiddle our thumbs and just watch what's going on. Christians have to come together and we have to wake up and get stirred up and filled up and we have to get on, on, on the, on the ball for the Lord. Amen. It's a story I heard a long time ago. It just popped in my mind. I'm going to share it with you. This guy went out to play golf one day. And he wasn't a great golfer, obviously. So he teed the ball up and, and he got his stance just right and he took a swing and he completely almost missed the ball and it just dribbled it out here a little ways. So then he walked over to where the ball had dribbled to and it landed right on top of an anthill. Fire ants. We'll just say that because we got a lot of those, don't we? The ball landed right on top of a fire anthill. And so he, he got ready and he got things just right and he got, he took another swing and he completely missed that ball and demolished that anthill. And everybody laughed and giggled a little bit like you did and he scratched his head and he got ready and he took another swing and he completely demolished the anthill again and the ball was sitting right there. Well, he said, I, there's no way this can happen three times. So he, Number three, he took that swing, got everything just right, and he took that swing. And, I mean, sand went everywhere, and ants went everywhere. Finally, one ant looked at another ant and said, if we're going to get out of this alive, we better get on the ball. <laughs> Do you know what that means? It's time for Christians to get on the ball. This has got to be more for us than just... Uh, habit that we have on Sunday where we show up at church, if it's convenient, it's got to be something that we're sold out to. We have got to commit our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, If he's going to turn up the heat, we must respond. We can't play when the enemy is out for blood. We have to respond in prayer. How many of you believe 2018 ought to be a, a year of prayer for us? The Bible says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. I'm going to tell you, with stuff like we saw in those signs, the fake news and the attitude the world has towards us, look at that. Just skip church. It's all fake news. I'm going to tell you what, you better not skip church. This is not the time to be skipping church. This is the time to get in there with everything you got and give your life to the Lord and protect your kids and get them in church and teach them what's right because there's nobody else going to teach them.
We respond in prayer. We need to respond in surrender. That is, make Jesus truly, in the true sense of the word, Lord of our lives, where we do what he says do. We need to respond in commitment and faithfulness because half-heartedness, lukewarmness, and apathy is just not going to get it done. Number four, we have to respond in living out our faith because we have a responsibility to our children and our families and our neighbors and, yes, even to the world. If you would permit me as a as a as your pastor now of 20 years plus, I just like to look at all the men in this church and tell you that your attitude or your, your, yeah, your attitude, your approach to parenting and fathering should be this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's time for us men to be men of God and stand up. Don't look at your wife on Sunday morning and say, do you want to go to church? Say, we're going to church this morning. Let's get up and get ready. But that's, that's what happened in our, in our family growing up. My dad never asked me one single time in my life if I wanted to go to church. And my mom didn't either. And you know what? I knew better than to ask if we were going to. That's what we did in our house. We went to church. And we got there on time and we stayed till it was over and we worshiped when we went and we knew we were going back the next Sunday or the next Wednesday, whenever it was, we were going to be there. Because that's what God desires. That's what He wants from us. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be there. He wants us to be engaged. He wants us, He, He died for us. Can't we at least live for Him? So He wants us to live out our faith. And, and we as parents, we are responsible for our children. Don't, don't think the people at church, at the, at the church school or the daycare or somewhere else are going to train your kids. You're going to have to train your kids. It's your responsibility to teach them, not only by verbally teaching them, but by being example. You see, if you go to church every Sunday, like, and you raise them that way, likely they'll go to church too. But if you, if you are haphazard in your church attendance and don't go, then they probably won't either. I am right. Thank you. I mean, you can look around and see that. So we have a responsibility to teach our children and that, there again, if a stalker's after your kids, boy, you'd get riled up in a minute. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's one after them. The devil is after them. And you need to get riled up and say, enough is enough. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. This family's going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful. No more playing games. We're in it for good. We're going to live for God until he comes. And we're going to be faithful. We're going to be with him one day. These are the last days. I hate to say it, but you might as well get used to hearing fake news. Because the Bible says that darkness shall cover the earth and, and deep darkness the people. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse and worse and worse here on this earth. I couldn't even get an amen then. That's what the Bible says. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse and worse. But in that gross darkness... As the King James Version says, in that gross darkness, the light of God will shine in us and we can make a difference as we live for the Lord. You ask me, is there any significance just this week to Jerusalem being recognized as the eternal capital of Israel? I say, yes, there is. 
it's pointing to the last days, folks. We better get we better get down to business. The time has come. Master musicians to come. We're going to sing an old hymn, two verses of it, and then we're going to pray. This is not the time for a watered down gospel. It's not the time to play church. It's not the time to play patty cakes with God. It's not the time to go through the motions. This is the time to sell out, get down to business, commit our lives to the Lord, be faithful to Him, teach our kids, stand up for what is right, never give in to the enemy, take a stand for God. Amen. We've been seated for a while. Would you stand with me as we sing this old hymn, I Am Thine, O Lord. We're going to sing two verses of it, the courses, and then we're going to pray. Quite often at New Life, we close by gathering around the altar to pray. As we sing this, if you feel any inkling in your life whatsoever, that I'd like to just talk to the Lord for a couple of minutes before I leave this morning, why don't you just move this way while we sing because we're all going to pray together. You're welcome to come as we sing it. I am thine, O Lord. I don't know. 
And we're asking, Lord, that you would hear our cry and recognize the desire of our hearts that we would be drawn nearer to you. We know, Lord, that you have things for us that we have not yet seen, things we have not experienced, places in your love that we have not gone. Oh, Lord, your word teaches us that that it's impossible to gauge the, the height and the depth and the width of your love for us. And it also tells us, Lord, that our eyes have not seen and ear has not heard. Neither has it even entered into our minds the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. We're here today, Lord, to confess that we love You. We love You, Lord. We really do. Lord, we want to thank You for Your blessings in our lives. We want to thank You for the Word of God that we've received throughout our lives for the understanding of the Gospel that we have. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives and all the depths of the experiences of of you and your spirit that we've had. But, Lord, we believe there are deeper things, greater things that you have for us. We believe that you want to show yourself strong in the midst of your people. You want the eyes of unbelievers to be opened. And, Lord, that would certainly be our prayer today. That you would draw us so near to yourself, Lord, that we would, we would be consumed with the gospel. That we would be consumed with the word of God. That we would have an appetite for spiritual things. That we would long to read your word. That we would long to spend time with you in prayer. That we would long to be in the house of God when it's open. Oh Lord, help us to be so hungry for you. Help us to understand the responsibilities we have, Lord, to our spouses, to our children, to our siblings, oh Lord, to our neighbors, to the people we work with. Oh, they need to see a genuine example of spirit-filled living, of people who are, are experiencing love and joy and peace in their lives, people who are living for you and are glad about it, Lord, people who are positive and have a spring in their step and a smile on their face and people, Lord, who have a twinkle in their eyes because of the love that they have for you. And other people can see that and other people can feel that. So help us, Lord, to be Christians who are alive and well and help us to understand the truth of the Word of God, which says if we will submit ourselves to God, we will resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Help us to be that kind of Christian. Not where He's stalking us, but where we're stalking Him. We put Him on the run. We let Him know He'll have no place in our lives or in our families. Help us to be men and women of God. Children of God that are pleasing in Your sight. Somehow, Lord, draw us nearer. Draw me nearer.